This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Today on the On Inquirer podcast, Jay Lehman breaks down how did Illinois lose to Iowa when they played so well for especially the second and third quarter, what happened late in that fourth quarter to lead to a loss that forces Illinois into a win or stay home situation. Need a win against Northwestern to get to a second straight bowl win. Jay Lemon breaks down what he saw against Iowa. The good, which included some good play up front for the most part. Uh, some plays by the wide receivers. Some plays not made by the wide receivers. What did Iowa do to break up the John Paddock magic? And what does Illinois do about the uh, secondary right now we dive into that we look ahead to northwestern which has already made a bowl game and what illinois needs to do to win a third straight land of lincoln trophy and we break down what jay thinks of the northwestern uh, hiring david braun long term after what has been a breakthrough season likely big 10 coach of the year maybe some concerns he has for northwestern in hiring a coach who hasn't coached at this level very long and then we break down ohio state and michigan as well who jay layman has winning the big 10 east that's all coming up next on the online Enquirer podcast You've heard us talk about home-filled apparel since the start of the season. There are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, but we wanted to partner with Homefield because their designs are the best out there. Some of Illini Enquirer's favorites are the Basketball Ringer Tee, the Rose Tee, and the 1980s Long Sleeve with the Script Illini. It's great. Be sure to check out homefieldapparel.com, filter by Illinois, and see what we're talking about. And our listeners get an exclusive deal using code Illini23. Using that code Illini23 gets you 15 percent off your first order we all know you're wearing a line eye gear so if you're in need of a refresh we really think that you should check out home field apparel which has the best designs and these shirts guys are really comfortable their designs are super unique and a lot of thought goes into each concept there's really nothing else on the market like what home field is doing you can find them at homefieldapparel.com and use code illini23 for 15 percent off your first order at homefieldapparel.com it's Monday. That means it's time to catch up with Jay Lehman. And Jay, for the fifth straight week, we get a one-score game. Illinois ends up 3-2 and two in those because uh, they were not able to close out Iowa, and Iowa wins in the most Iowa way. Uh, they finally get a punt return. Um, Illinois is unable to tackle, and uh, they win the game on Caleb Johnson's run. So how did Illinois not end up winning this game? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question, but you kind of felt it when you were watching the fourth quarter. You're like, okay, what's going to happen? I was watching the studio with the Big Ten uh, studio talent, and we were like, okay, what what's actually going to happen here? And I think because of Illinois' prowess in close games, there was a confidence from some of the other people that Illinois was going to pull this thing out. But Iowa, you know, first and foremost, <clears throat> they stuck with the run game. And honestly, 
it, they got to run to pop late. That was really the big thing. It wasn't a bad call defensively, which missed a tackle in the hole. And that was the key to burst it open. And then I would say if Brett could redo the last four or five minutes of that game from a game management perspective, he might do that. Maybe not wasting a timeout uh, to think it over and maybe have a little bit better plan. And to be honest, it's fresh. What's really frustrating is that we didn't get have a chance to make a play on the ball on, the, on those two last plays, right? Because he got batted down. I think it was by Evans, by one, and maybe Higgins by them. Maybe Evans by both of them. But that was the disappointing part. We just not able to finish down the stretch. Yeah, Bielma did say there are things he wishes the staff could have done better down the stretch, whether it's play call. Those last couple of plays, like I actually look back at them, Jay. It felt like if. John Paddock would have moved his read to the other side. Like Tip Ryman was open on the fourth down. Maybe he could have swung it out to Reggie on the third down. But sure. uh, what would you make of that? Because obviously they weren't able to stop two runs. But in the last five minutes, what, what could Bielma have changed? Yeah, so good, good point. I mean, first and foremost, they could have stopped. They could have stopped Iowa from actually scoring. That would have been the number one thing. But offensively, um, I thought I, I actually Isaiah Williams would have been open on that route. They ran a pick play. They got the matchup they wanted to on the fourth down. But, again, had to throw right into the line of sight. That's the drawback of, of, of Paddock, kind of more stationary target, smaller guy, got batted down. I, I, I think we really – you got to remember, there's not a full deck of cards we're playing with with the running back situation. I think that played into it a lot, not having Caden Fagan, both on the fourth down play with Paddock. You know, uh, they tried to go – empty well i'm switching back to the other drive now you know in the red zone where you know it was questionable whether isaiah williams was inbounds out of bounds they, they mark him short and then we go with the with the sneak with no push at all more kind of an alignment get him wide and then try to do it and i think john paddock would actually made that sneak had he just gotten up field after he spun out that first time tried to get some more because he's a playmaker and whatnot so i think that right there and then also uh, so they could have done better on that. I think you might run Caden Fagan in that situation if you have Caden Fagan. I agree with you. I think, think he can get. There, I think right? they might win that game with Caden Fagan. I, I do too. I think. I think you have a guy. I think Reggie Love played admirably. I think they probably could have stuck with the run game a little bit more to possess the ball more. We really got waxed on time of possession, especially that first half. Uh, they just kind of kept the ball away from us. Maybe not explosive offensively, but get two, three, four first downs and kind of keep the ball away from you. I thought Barry Lunny did a great job of actually taking what the defense gave him as far as the quick out routes to Isaiah Williams, some of the seam patterns in the middle of the field right over the top of the linebackers. So I, I thought actually it was a decently called game by Barry Lunny. Numbers very even. I think it was 280 yards to 281. Just one team made plays down the stretch and the other team didn't. We really outplayed Iowa the second and third quarters. No question we were the better football team during that time. But in the fourth quarter, we started to break down. I do think if Kane Thing was in there, the play calls changed dramatically. We just didn't have as many cards as we needed to win that game. Illinois is 4-2 and two in one-score games. So I've seen a lot of people say, ah, we, we never win these games. Well, they just did. Like They, they just won a, a bunch of close games. Yeah. But, but the yeah, fourth yeah. quarter during Brett Bielma's tenure has, has kind of been a struggle. Uh, if you go back his sure. first year, lost a bunch of games in the fourth quarter. Is there any trend you're, you're seeing there, Jay? Well, one, I don't think we're the deepest of teams. So I think the uh, when you're not a very deep football team, sometimes you get exposed a little bit in the fourth quarter. Now, we have an FBS leading four fourth quarter comebacks, right? And I do think fan bases 
uh, in general are cynical about their own team and performance in fourth quarter because inevitably the losses seem to singe our brains more than a, a win, right? And so we remember these bad times and they're, they're more frequent and usually they are more frequent when you're a I fan than maybe the, the good times. But I would say number one, it's the depth. No, no, number two, up until this year, I mean, we, we've, we have had first-year starting quarterbacks every year. I, I, we're, we're looking at all three years, right? I mean, um, all three years. Yeah. Uh, and now we have a guy, guy in John Paddock. I guess he's a, technically a second starting-year quarterback and, you know, played pretty good down the stretch of two games, right, because he started at, at Ball State. But all, the, all these different things kind of add up. So the quarterback piece. And then I think really not uh, – it, it's – you know, last year it was the defense that could make the plays that you needed to down the stretch. This year it seems like it's the offense that can make the plays mm-hmm. and the defense can't. So kind of bringing those two together has been a difficult thing. I still think, though, I'm really excited, though, as far as Barry Lunny giving us a chance as a play caller. We saw some of the RPO action that we saw under UTSA uh, under John Paddock. So we've seen a little bit of what we thought we were going to get with Barry Lunny these past two or three weeks. And I think that's exciting to see that maybe our pass game, if you can get Isaiah Williams to come back next year, could take a big leap, the leap that we thought would happen this year, but maybe just took another year to get developed. The Paddock magic wore out. I think we all thought it kind of would against Iowa's defense. Jay, uh, what what did Iowa do to give him fits? And, and what is the key of, of not getting your passes batted down? Yeah, good, good question. So um, first and foremost, they got pressure, a lot of pressure. Um, Paddock gets the ball out quick, and I give him a lot of credit. It's probably one of his best skill sets is he gets mm-hmm. the ball out quick. But the safety to start out wasn't great, right? I mean, that's just the most Iowa thing to do is to start out a safety. I think I somebody asked me what the score was going to be. I think I said 13-11 Illinois because Iowa was going to get a safety, right? And they got a safety. They averaged like a safety every three or four games, which is probably the highest stat around. Um, so one, they got a little pressure. Two, we, we, there's two things. One, they didn't think the receivers could run by him, number one. And number two, uh, they didn't think that Paddock would have time to actually get the ball out on a deep route, right? Um, and largely, they were correct. So their DBs, very, very handsy. They always are handsy. Uh, even without their best DB, Cooper DeGene, I thought they played extremely well, their defensive backs, and they won in contested balls. I think we – we had six or seven legitimate drops early in the game. The Casey Washington, who I love Casey Washington, is a big drop late in the game, could have changed the game. But there were some contested balls, probably probably 12 or 13 of those pass breakups were, half of those were contested, half of those were just bad drops, you know? And, yeah. and so they, they did a tremendous job of, you know, condensing down and, and making the windows tight and fighting on these pass plays. Uh, and they were willing to give up the five or six yard route to Isaiah Williams. They were willing to give up and say, we're going to play for another down. The run defense uh, gets how good Iowa's D is, but again, they're not going to give up the big play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, Jay, defensively, they're pretty good um, against an Iowa offense that obviously isn't very dynamic, but uh, then they gave up those those two big runs late in the game. I, I thought sure. Dylan Rosiak was really good throughout this game. Yeah. Um, Seth Coleman obviously got a couple sacks. I only got four sacks right. in this game, which was nice to see. The secondary is a struggle, man. They, they're they struggling sure. to tackle, struggling to make some key plays. The pass interferences are really hurting them. It seems like Aaron yeah. Henry's trying to find answers. Benching Miles Scott for Matt Krasetich. Caleb Patterson comes in for uh, Zach Toby. Uh, that's, we thought it would be a struggle in the secondary. It's been a bigger struggle than I thought. Sure. Change personnel or change scheme. Uh, they've tried to do both. Uh, early in that game, you know, we both saw it. Dropping eight really wasn't effective against an Iowa quarterback like Deacon Hill, uh, maybe because you're trying to help your DBs out and trying to create, you know, tighter windows because there's more bodies out there. But with Deacon Hill, who's about as immobile as a Big Ten quarterback as you're ever going to see, bring pressure. They started to do that later in the game, right? And uh, I thought uh, I thought actually like, uh, Odaluga played well before he got banged up. Yeah. I thought he was a big loss. Um, I thought uh, Dylan Rosiak's been good all year. So I want to give – I mean, I think he's really improved as the year's gone out. He's probably our best linebacker right now. I know Tariq Barnes has been hurt largely a, a lot of the year. So uh, as far as the linebackers go, James Crute struggled a little bit on some of the man coverage stuff, got exposed a little bit on the on the tight end stuff. But that was kind of what we had decided to do at that point was we were going to man up on some of the tight ends and we're going to bring pressure, which actually worked better. But as far as the DBs, it's been a revolving door. We really haven't had a guy at safety we can count on since Matthew Bailey went out. I mean, Xavier Scott could play it, but he's been moved around a ton, whether it's nickel or corner at sometimes. Uh, 47, that's all I know. I'm Resetich. Uh, is that how he says his yep. name? Um, you know, I, I think he's going to be a good player. He's just a young, inexperienced player. Doesn't have a ton of reps. You know, I think he'd be a heady. Clayton Bush would tell you that, you know, uh, although he's made some great run stops and run fits, he probably missed one uh, when he had a chance to make a play uh, down down there late in the game on that big run. And so what do we do? I think, one, we got to hit the portal and get some some more depth and ready ready play guys, right? I mean, I think Zach Toby's going to be a good player. I think a lot of these guys are going to be good players. But, man, we're, we're not playing at a high enough level. And I like the way – I like Taz's aggressiveness. I certainly don't want to take that away, but there's just too many penalties uh, on that front. We can't give a team like Iowa, who really struggles to throw the football, 15-yard penalties just from throwing the ball up. So um, I, we've struggled on the defensive backside. I mean, that's yeah. that's been a big, big, big issue. And it, maybe not so much in the past yards, but, but in the DPI for sure. Seth Coleman has six sacks in the last five games, two multi-sack games. Um, I thought he could take a leap this year. Maybe it took him six games to get there, Jay, but are you seeing anything different from him? Well, one thing about Seth is I think the ability's always been there. Uh, we've always known that. We thought that Seth um, was going to be that guy that maybe could take that leap, like you said, be an all-Big Ten player. Might actually be an all-Big Ten player with the way he's played the last couple weeks. One, I think it's I think 
what I like about what Seth has done is Seth seems to me that there were at times as a younger player, I didn't know if Seth knew exactly what was going on all the time. Mm -hmm. Maybe he did, like as far as his assignment. It's kind of embedded into him now, right? And I feel like he's very comfortable knowing what he's supposed to do on the run game and the pass game. I also see him really pin his ears back. When he feels like it's a pass and he believes there's a sack, I see him with a different gear. And I think Charlie Bowen's done a great job developing him as far as pass rushes and getting off and winning those one-on-ones. Now, it all helps that you have uh, Johnny Newton in there taking up double teams and you get a lot of one-on-one matchups. But I also have liked Seth Coleman's efforts. Some of those have been effort sacks too. He's given tremendous effort off the edge. So Seth's growing as a player, not only as his knowledge, but his skill. Hope we can keep him back for, I, I believe, his sixth year, correct? He has, yeah. he has one year left if he wanted because of COVID. So hopefully we can keep him back for next year. I, I hate to uh, give away a, a piece I'm going to have once the season's over here, Jay, but uh, three of my top ones are retain Isaiah Williams, retain Keith Randolph, retain Seth Coleman. Like the, More than any portal additions, just like last year with Johnny and Isaiah sure. and Julian – Keeping those guys would be priority number one for me. Yeah, that, that that's going to be paramount. You know, and I, you know, Isaiah. We haven't even talked much about Isaiah, but yeah. you know, his, his level of consistency at the at the receiver position has been remarkable, and his production. I think it's. I, I could make an argument. He's the second best receiver in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, behind Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, he had a game plan around him. He's a menace, and he makes plays. He, made, he even made plays against the Iowa defense that you know. Is tough to make plays against and he gets a lot of yards after catch so uh i think him i think keith you might have a chance because keith has just been hurt half the year let's be honest i mean keith is not although he's gutted it out has not been able to really play at the level that he probably would want to play at because of that ankle you know in reading between the lines because of uh, what bielema says in some of the you know thursday pressers it sounds like Keith sometimes doesn't even practice the whole week, yeah. right? So he takes off a week to try to make sure he can play. And so the ankle's an issue. I, I think if you got Gabe and you got Seth and you got uh, – I know Gabe's coming back anyway, but uh, – and Seth and, and, and Keith back, you're still pretty solid on the D-line. Jay, we're, we're one game left. Um, obviously, we've talked a lot about Barry Lunny, and, and I, I agree. I think the last five games, he's he's done a really nice job. Um, but yeah. Aaron, Aaron Henry, first year as, as defensive coordinator, how would you evaluate it so far? I mean, we've taken our bumps. We knew we were going to take our bumps with the first-year starting quarterback and Luke Altmeyer. We did. And we're going to take our bumps in our first-year defensive coordinator uh, in Aaron Henry. Now, I'll make the argument that there's also three former defensive coordinators on staff, Brett Bielma, Andy Boo, and Jim Leonard. Uh, so it's not just, hey, Aaron Henry's whole decision. He's, he's being mentored. I think with those different pieces, Brett felt like, hey, He's dynamic enough as a recruiter, and I think in time he's going to be the guy that we really want him to be. But there's always a developmental process whenever you get promoted to anything in life, not just football. And so I think he's learned on the job a little bit. And I think – I don't think they expected uh, – I, I knew they knew there was going to be a drop-off at the defensive back position. Yeah, I don't think they expected some of the injuries or the, the, the drop-off to be the cliff that it has been because it's been a revolving door – and because the back end has not been solid, we have given up a lot of big plays at critical times. And people don't realize it's not just passing, it's the it's the penalties, number one. It's it's also, number two, the run fits, right? We, we haven't been great in some of our run fits, and that's really been the difference in Clayton Bush. Why Clayton Bush, I believe, has gotten more time is because he plays the run better than most of our safeties. We saw Harper make a lot of plays. I don't know if he's banged up. I haven't seen Harper out as much. 
uh, out there, Nicario Harper. But I think Clayton Bush has been a better run fitting safety and they've had issues stopping the run with the safeties. And so uh, when you have Sidney Brown, who is equally adept at run stopping or playing man to man on tight ends or, or being a deep safety, uh, and, you, and you have a, a shutdown top five corner in, in Spoon and Quan, who is a Swiss Army Yard. Now, if we knew they were going to drop off, I don't think they adjusted great to the drop off. I don't think they played to their strengths those first couple games, which is their front seven, and tried to protect those DBs as much as they should have. And so uh, I think they're not the only reason we lost Nebraska and Purdue, which are the games that I still can't believe yeah. that we were that bad in. Um, the offensive line had issues as well. It was, it was more than that. But He's had to grow up a little bit. I think Aaron Henry would tell you, man, this has he's probably a different coordinator than he is in game 12 than definitely it was games yeah. one through six. Yeah. All right, Jay, here we go. Uh, for a bowl game, you got to beat Northwestern, who has already clinched a bowl game, and that's why Dave and Braun has yeah. gotten the full-time job already. What do you think of this sure. matchup against Northwestern? Illinois, a three- or four-point favorite early in this one at home. But Northwestern's playing good football. What What's the keys for Illinois against the Wildcats? Yeah, first off, Northwestern's a, a whole different football team than what they were at the beginning of the season. I mean, they were kind of reeling after everything with Pat Fitzgerald, and, and now David Braun's kind of got them uh, go headed in the right direction, hence he got the full-time job. This team has really changed since that Minnesota game in early October. They were down 21 points to Minnesota and came back in the fourth quarter and Ben Bryant has made a lot of throws. Brendan Sullivan has won one or two games when he played, but Ben Bryant's their quarterback, and he's he's a legitimate Big Ten quarterback. Now he's making all kinds of throws. They 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 had some portal success in getting. They lost Malik Washington to Virginia, good receiver. Malik Washington has over 100 catches this year. They lost him to Virginia, but they got Cam Johnson out of the portal, and Bryce Kurtz is finally healthy. They got two legit receivers on the outside that I think are going to give the Illinois DBs some some problems and cam porter at the running back position finally healthy they're running the football so offensively they have a little bit of juice to them defensively they're the same as they're always going to be which is kind of the bend but don't break try to make a play not as stout as iowa but certainly serviceable on the back end and have some linebackers that can play so um they've gotten a lot better i wish we could have played them in september i wish we could have played indiana in september but hey teams get better throughout the year Iowa being one of those as well and now I think we're going to be in for a real for a real dogfight in this game because uh, they're they're playing some good football in the Big Ten West how important Jay is a bowl bid for this program I, I think it's huge I think a bowl game sustaining momentum is such a big thing when we look at the big picture of Illinois football over the last 60 years right can we sustain uh uh success we've had a lot of stuff with uh, not, not since Makovic have we gone to, you know, four straight bowl games. Uh, we Back-to-back bowl games was 2010-2011 under Zook, but it always seems like, hey, we have a peak of, hey, Sugar Bowl or Rose Bowl or something, and then we come back down. We kind of had that feeling this year, especially after Nebraska-Purdue, where, we, hey, we were one game away from winning the division last year, had a New Year's Day bowl, and, and now we're back here, right? And if we don't get a bowl game, you feel like, you didn't finish the game, the season like you wanted to. Anytime you lose the last two games of the season to division rivals, you don't feel that way. But I think if you can beat your rival, your in-state rivals, people you recruit against all the time, uh, despite everything, you say, hey, we were still able to get six and six despite losing four tailbacks, despite losing three guys to the NFL on the defensive backside, having tons of injuries on, on the offensive line, and also a first-year starting quarterback. And guess what? We're, we got a lot of guys coming back to build on this. So I think it's, I think it's crucial. 
on the Northwestern thing, David Braun's going to be Big Ten Coach of the Year, and he and he deserves it given uh, what he inherited and that mess that was up there. What do you make of Northwestern going with him long term? I'm I'm kind of surprised that maybe they didn't go out into the market and see what was out there, but. Uh, this is the first year at a Power 5 job for David Braun, and, and boy, uh, now he gets the big job. Yeah, he's never actually had a FBS coaching position until he was hired in February as the defensive coordinator. So I, I think David Braun has obviously coached well on the field. Yeah, my, my biggest thing is what kind of connections do you have to go out and get a big-time offensive coordinator? I yeah. doubt that Mike Bajakian – O'Corner there is there next year, although Mike Bajakian's done some good stuff there the lot down the stretch the last four or five weeks. Who are you going to go hire? Who's got connections to recruit the players that you need to recruit? I think that's my biggest concern about David Brown. If you're not in this circle and you're kind of in that FCS circle, kind of going through, um, uh, I think it was North Dakota State yeah. prior, uh, you know, I, I don't know who his connections are. That being said, I understand from the university perspective Hey, you've got a chan- a president and an AD who, let's just say, didn't get a, did, didn't see eye to eye with their last football coach and how it all went down, right? So, how many coaches are will- really willing to make that leap? I think it's also very difficult. You know, uh, Mike Kafka, who's a, who's a great NFL assistant. You know, I think uh, he would be been a great fit, but I think also it's tough when you have. Anybody that played under Northwestern or Pat Fitzgerald, uh, there's going to be questions about hazing and what went on, right? So I, I, I think there's possible alumni that are good guys to get, but because of the situation that went down in the summer, it kind of cut all those options off in the administration's minds, and that's why David Brum probably got that job along with what he did on the field. Yeah. All right, so we knew it would come down to this, Jay. Um, Penn State wasn't able to get into the mix here. Number two, Ohio State. At number three, Michigan. The Wolverines are four-point favorites at home. This is for a college football playoff spot. This is for the Big Ten Championship. Um, Kudos to Iowa for getting there. I just don't see Iowa being able to beat either of these teams. We'll see. But uh, who, who you got in this matchup, Jay? That's a great question. You know, I think early in the year I would have taken Michigan, but I'm actually going to go with Ohio State. I don't think Michigan's playing as well as they have been playing at the quarterback position lately. Some of that's Sharon Moore being the interim coach. Uh, being an old offensive lineman, you know, that they, they ran the ball 30 times uh, against Penn State. They didn't look overly sharp when they were playing uh, Maryland last week. It, it kind of just seemed like when they were doing the game, playing the game when I was watching them, it was like, our coaches suspended. We just got to get to Ohio State. That's kind of what I felt like. I know they were playing Penn State and whatnot and dominating up front, but I don't think J.J. McCarthy, whether he's healthy or unhealthy or not, I don't think he's looked as sharp as he had previously. I mean, he, his, his completion percentage was in this world the first six or seven games. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're nearly as tested as Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State, uh, you know, has – I shouldn't say nearly because they both played Penn State. Ohio State has that road win against Notre Dame. Uh, Michigan's non-conference schedule was extremely soft. And when I look at the guy, I feel like Ohio State's finally healthy. Got Emeka Abuka back. He was banged up. He had five catches for 83 yards last week. Tamiya Eichenberg is going to be back as well. He was out the last game or two. You've got Marvin Harrison Jr. And Travion Henderson makes this team different. When they have a big back like him that can run the football – that's when they're really dynamic. Without Travion Henderson, this is an average team. I think they get beat by Michigan. But I think this is the one they've had circled. I think Ohio State's going to win this football game. 
Good stuff. Uh, we got a huge game this weekend for Illinois. Now five and a half point favorites, by the way. But uh, we'll see if they can get to a bowl game, Jay, and, and end the season well. It's been pretty good last five games, last half. The, the first half is, I agree with you, the, the regrettable one. But we'll talk about it yeah, next. I yeah, I think it's been, I you know, I, I want to give one more shout out to the offensive line. I know you're wrapping up here. Yeah. I think those guys were really maligned at the beginning of the season, and rightfully so. Even Bart Miller said that. I I give them a lot of credit for turning the corner because I felt like even against Iowa, they were able to move the ball, run the ball, and largely protect Paddock and get the ball out quick. Paddock got the ball out quick a lot. So I give a lot of credit to the offensive line. It just shows you on a Brett Bielema team, if the offensive line is not good, we have no chance. Yeah. If they're good, we're going to be in a lot of games. Yeah, I thought Isaiah Adams had maybe his best game. Uh, was was pancaking people throughout that game. Jay Lehman, you're the goods. Yeah. We'll talk to you next week, man. Appreciate it. Great stuff as always from Jay Lehman. And uh, we did a film room breakdown where Jay really gets into linebacker play. Dylan Rosiak had a really good game. He's played really well for Illinois this year. Uh, so we break that down and we break down the two runs that really hurt Illinois late in this game. So we break down run fits uh, and a lot of counter plays by Iowa and how Illinois did defending that, both the good and the not so good. So uh, it's great hearing Jay Lehman break down linebacker plays. Really excited to do it. Uh, really excited that we did some linebacker stuff. But that's part of being a VIP member. And uh, Jay is so good. I learned something new every time. He breaks down film with me. So be on the lookout for that as well. We got plenty more coming on the podcast later this week. Some more hoops. We got a special guest talking about a really important topic for Illinois in the next month or so. That would be NIL. Uh, we'll chat about that from the Illini perspective coming up. And uh, we got plenty more coming to the site, including a big VIP offer. If you're not a VIP member, we have the best deal of the year coming up later this week. So be on the lookout for that. All right, thank you for listening to the Illini Choir podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube as well. Subscribe to us. Hit the notification bell. Hit the like button. Uh, we appreciate all the support on that side as we put up all our interviews and podcasts up on that side as well. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Choir podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye.